0: We are going to go outside of New Zealand for a second, all the way over to Southeast Asia, Thailand. Uh, Kawita Vatanianka is the uh, 2018 international visiting artist for the Dunedin Public Art Gallery. Her exhibit, Performing Textiles, is currently showing on the first level of DPAG. She has shown at the Venice Biennale, uh, the Asian Art Biennale in Taiwan, um, the Triennial of Performing Arts at the Melbourne Arts Centre. She grew up in Melbourne. She's also, she lived, you'll hear this in the interview, but lived in Ashburton for a while in New Zealand. Um, but she is Thai. Uh, she's from Thailand, from Bangkok originally. Um All video-based performances at the D-Pag. Currently, she uses her own body as a tool. Uh, She explores and exploits her physical and psychological limits through many repetitive actions and a lot of endurance. And her practice is very much underpinned by her position as a Thai woman. That is very important to remember um, and is predicated on an ongoing interest in issues surrounding everyday labor, which is both inside and outside of the home. Um, And this area is... You know it's an area of ongoing research for her and she's brought often brought domestic chores and gender binaries working conditions social ideologies industrial processes all of these ideas to the fore with her exhibits in the past um, but these research their threads are then um, they're translated into a concept that really presents a direct challenge to the artist and um, it just asks if she can symbolically and literally become the object or the tool that she's questioning and if she can use her body as an artifact you can go along to the d peg and check this out i mean they're all set in front of a very eye-catchingly colorful backdrop um, and she describes why that is in the interview that i'm about to play for you uh in late 2017, so last year she spent six weeks in Dunedin as part of the gallery's visiting artists program. Um, and with earlier works, she was examining textile industries and industrialised work processes within Thailand. But her residency here saw her expand the interest. Um, With research into New Zealand wool production. So in these most recent works her body becomes particular machines and processes used within the manufacture of textiles, um, but most importantly in the wool industry within New Zealand. So it's quite an interesting interview. I am going to warn you it is quite a long interview. It's about half an hour. Um, but she is a very important artist she is important for Dunedin as well at the moment Um, and it was an honor to have so much time from her uh, to talk to her she was in an airport when this interview was conducted so you might hear a little bit of background noise when it comes to uh, the phone call but it is around half an hour so if you decide that listening that her art or her ideology is not so much for you then I apologise and maybe you might need to tune tune in and out a wee bit. Um, but for anyone that is interested in this work, this is a fascinating interview and I would recommend staying around for the whole half hour if this kind of thing is something that you're interested in learning more about. So this is the interview with Kawita that I conducted earlier this week while she was flying back home to Bangkok. You tuned in to the Dineen Public Art Gallery Late Breakfast. I guess I'll see you in half an hour after this has aired. So, you were the international visiting artist at the DPEG for 2018. Could you just give us a bit of a rundown of what that entailed and whereabouts you're from originally? So, I am from Bangkok, Thailand. Um, and
1: I think that um, Lauren Gatso, who's uh, the curator for this show, invited me of the Sydney um, Public Art Gallery invited me because, because I have been showing my work in Australia? So I, I grew up in Melbourne, Australia, and I studied fine art in Melbourne. Mm. So that's how um, they got to to know about my work. And um, so I've been so I've been showing my work across Australia. Um, so I was, when I I went back to Thailand about five years ago, so I've been um, okay. exhibiting my work in Thailand as well as um, in Europe, um, America and then Australia, so, so I think they knew me from um, my exhibitions, um, after exhibitions, and then um, decided to invite me to New Zealand, so this is actually my first uh, New Zealand show.
0: Oh wow, and did you have a residency yeah. while you were down here?
1: Yes, so it was a six-week residency okay. in the South Island.
0: Yes, yes, um, yes, And to go back to your birthplace, so what extent does your Thai birthplace influence your work? So um, I have to say that I,
1: I grew up as a teenager in Melbourne. Yeah. So when I went back to Thailand, um, it sort of, I, I sort of had to grow up as a woman again, mm. as a Thai woman, because um, the, the cultures were so different, the the background was so different, and social expectations were very, very different. So it was as if I was an outsider or an alien sort of um, in Thailand. So I sort of had to experience these um, social expectations again um new culture. Uh, in order to fit in, because I, I didn't feel like I, I I was fit in at all um, as a Thai woman.
0: Mm. So, Did it feel like um, some sort of rebirth as a woman? So
1: yeah, so it was as, as if uh, like a rebirth as a woman. And so um, my work, so my previous work has always been about um, how I look at myself as as a, as a woman, and and you know um, sort of. Um, Questioning uh, the social expectations, questioning the social norms, um, whether, just questioning and whether if it's, if it's, uh, what's right and what's wrong, and, you know, just, just growing up. Um, So it it has been about, you know, uh, the first series was about um, women as, as, uh, take care of the home, you know, as a housewife. women who could cook, cook and who, who are supposed to cook and to clean and um, taking care of, you know, the, the family. So that was just questioning um, the society's perceptions for women in Thailand. And then um, my second series was were about, you know, the work system. So it's about how, so, so nowadays it's um, it's a world of um, industry. It's a world of, you know, everybody is valued by their work and the positions, and you know, if you work hard and you get a lot of money, then then you are valued by um, the other people in society. So, so um, the next series were about me looking at myself as sort of a machine or tool in um, the work system. So, so usually because it's 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 a world of. Um, of industry now in Thailand and, and you have a lot of factories so I was transformed into um, tools and machines
0: mm. in the
1: factory as if I was acting as the machine, like working repetitively and continuously as the machine as well as you know, nowadays with the um, technologies so the machines are also sort of replacing us, Yeah. so it's um, so it was just questioning on on human conditions which is you know sort of nowadays consists of, of work actions and labor and and how we value everyone how everyone by their positions and work
0: yeah
1: and so it's sort of just questioning if 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 this is what we are craving for what are we craving for actually you know is this
0: that important, yeah. So, and um, when you so go on to that like first level of, of the d you have that one video of you that really strikes a note in me in particular, um, where you're dunked into an actual bowl of water. Um, yeah, 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 and so it's, yes, it's like yes, how you—it's yes. a piece of performance art uh, for people that aren't aware that are listening, um, and it's all video, videograph—it's um, videography. It's all moving images. Um, how do you physically prepare yourself for these performances? Well, actually, um, I, it, it would take around three
1: weeks up to a month in order to just prepare myself and to practice the performance. You know, the, the first attempts would be just a complete disaster. I would be able to sort of transform myself into the tools. But um, it just takes weeks of practice. And then, so what you see in the show is actually um, the final shoot where I could just easily transform myself into tools and just... You know, one or two minutes, and then that's that's the final result yeah. for um, all the practice that I that I have done. But um, when I enter the performance, I, I enter it as as a person, as myself, as a human. But I have to sort of c- uh, convince myself that I am no longer there. So I have to convince myself that I am actually the object, that I am actually the tool or the machine. So, so it's about um losing um the sense of yourself and in order to become a complete object. so when you lose a sense of self, it means that you you also lose this sense of you know emotional pain, this yeah. sense of anxiety, this sense of fear as well because then then you're no longer there, you're no longer there as a person as a a, a person who has feelings. So it means that you also remove and recre- decrease all that feelings as well. So when you actually transform into the object or tool, it means that you have, uh, you have entered a new limitations because you're not a person anymore. You know that like, It's like you push your limits a little bit more. And it means that you can deal with the situations at that time a little bit more because um, you have decreased all that emotional feeling and emotional pain.
0: Yeah, what do you consider to be your physical and mental boundaries when you're producing these pieces of performance art?
1: You mean um, you mean? Sorry, um, can you just
0: ask once again? Oh no, you're okay. I know that you're in the middle of an airport <laughs> yeah. right now. Um, yeah, yeah. What do you consider to be your personal physical and mental boundaries when you're producing these pieces of performance art? Oh, okay.
1: Um, well, I think that well, well, there are no there are no boundaries. To, to make performance art, because I think that every time that I make that I make one work I would like to challenge myself mm-hmm. and it sort of makes the impossible impossible so so when I first think of the think of one work you know I want to transform myself into this and into that I was thinking that you know this is this is impossible for for anyone who would um, do it uh, uh, that long or would just transform into that completely but then um, I, I believe that our, our body our physical body and also psychological self has an amazing ability to adjust mm. and to accept and to transform um, into something if you practice continuously so, so there are no limitations at all so I, I would I would always think of an idea that is that's quite you know um, quite impossible and, and sometimes dangerous and sometimes violent. But then I would I would think of ways to deal with it and think of ways to practice until I can do it and with 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 you know um, like with no danger at all too. So it it, it just takes uh, it's a, it's about the amount of practice that I do in my work. Oh,
0: wow, it's pretty <laughs> incredible to view some of them. I mean, and some of the works echo an almost torturous interrog- uh, interrogative scene. Do you have any sort of political agenda when you're creating these pieces?
1: Well, um, well, so all the series that I have done are about labour work. So um, with the older series, for example, before coming to New Zealand, I was doing um, a series called Splashed, which was um, so there were I, I I did series about food before, so the food industry. Mm-hmm. But then um, when I met series about uh, Splash, which was also about food, but it was about the fishing industry. So I was thinking of you know how nowadays people just you know just, just get things off the supermarket and the store. So when you go to the supermarket and store, and you get a fishing can, for example, you you would just immediately think that it comes from a factory yeah. or a machine. It's, it's a machinery world, yeah. a materialistic world. You know, you 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 get this beautiful um, package with beautiful posters or you know graphic designs of a fish can. And you don't think of anything else except that you know you just eat it and, and that's it and it comes from some uh, machine in the factories. But um, as in, in a matter of fact, um, there's so much more behind the scenes. So so for example, the fishing industry in Thailand is um, is very it's it's, a, it's at a crucial point now where um, the laborers behind behind it is. Uh, are a form of slavery mm-hmm. so they're being treated um, very unkindly and with violence and and um, they sometimes they're locked up in jail um, in the boats and, and and then they have to work eight hours in the sea yeah. so it's, it's its it's almost it's about human trafficking that's behind um, the industry that people ignore because the laborers because well well nowadays in Thailand that we value people by their you know positions so the laborers who are sort of at the lowest you know positions or hierarchy um, they're always being ignored by the by the society so mm-hmm. they don't really care um, so I think that I wanted to bring them and their work and value them um, and value their work and and bring their work to light so this is what I. With um, with um, the fishing industry, and um, so when I so that was before I came to New Zealand and make this this new series about the textile industry. Um, so with this new series, so when I was in Thailand before coming to New Zealand, I was just you know just going around researching. Talked interviewing um, the laborers, and I was just so overwhelmed by how you know, materialistic um, the world I was in, and how people, valued, people are valued by their positions, and how the laborers and workers are not valued enough. So, so, so no one wants to, um, no one wants to be farmers anymore. No one wants to be um, workers like laborers anymore. They want to just you know, climb um, the hierarchy and, and crave for uh, a higher position. And so um, it was just, I, I just felt really overwhelmed by by all of these materialistic world. So um, when I got to come to New Zealand, it's just a completely different world where, you know, I, I, I had to go around um, the South Island and I, I talked to locals in the south island and and i saw how how workers and how farmers are so proud of their um products Mm. and i so proud of um and how everyone is there and how i I, it's just a completely different thing and and it 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 um, crashed me that you know it's just my heart that um you can live simply but full you know, so that's that's what I that's what I um, received from being in New Zealand and and going around the South Island.
0: And was your research in the South Island centered around wool production?
1: Yes, yes. So it was. So I um, so I drove around the South Island and talking to many farmers. Um, I, I I I actually when I was thirteen years old. I used to um, study in a summer school in Ashburton, so it was Ashburton oh, wow. College. So, and I and I was actually um, um, staying in the farm, so it was a daily farm. But they they also had um, some sheep as well. So, um, what I did at that time was that um, so during the day I, I would help them with 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 farming, but um, they would Take me to the um, sheep sharing farms as well. So I, I was always interested in in um, in the making of the wool at that time. But this time, I was lucky enough that you know the 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 public art the knitting public art gallery um, also arranged um, some meetings for me and and the farmers, so I could you know go into the farms and actually see every process. Oh, and I also did it myself. So. Um, the The Hongstei family in which i stayed i don't know ten, 20 years ago <laughs> twenty years ago um i also arranged some meetings with uh with the the farmers and the farms and the the the, the um the sheep sharing farms and wool production for me as well so it was um it was a residency full of you know research about um the wool production really really great. And um so I got to see the uh, the making of of the wool um the origin of where where the material comes from you know where the, where the fabric comes from yeah it was really soothing. Everybody was so proud of of um to sh- of um, their work and to show me um the the um the production of of the wool. Mm.
0: And how did this research end up changing the outcome that we see at the DPAC today compared to your previous shows?
1: Yeah, so, um, when, so the, residency, um, the residency was six weeks and then it inspired me that I had to go back to Thailand and do the same thing. So I went back to Thailand and I, I went around um, the north and the northeast to sort of um, do the same driving Mm. as what I did with the South Island. And I went around the, um, you know, hidden villages um, where they're still doing traditional textiles and um, traditional weaving, um, where the, but the village, the the problem with these villages is that they're quite hidden and, and it's not, so their production would take um, a month to take to to make just one beautiful fabric. Yeah. Whereas um, in Bangkok, it's completely it's a completely different thing. So I, when I was just traveling around, I just valued their work so much that I think that you know it's such a contrast because in in Bangkok where I live and in Thailand as as a whole country, we don't value this anymore you know mm-hmm. we, we are they are so caught up with, with with something that has to be fast something that has to be um, that is not handcraft so something that's, that's fast and industrialized um, yeah so so and people are working like machines so yeah, what yeah. you see so what you see in the work is, it, I think it's it, it's from all of the research so it's like i would like to value um the workers in thailand as if you know the as if the kiwis value there and 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 so i would like to bring these workers these traditional workers into light but then i would also like to comment on how um we value and we act like we are machines. So in the work you see that um, I transform myself into machines and tools in the Bangkok factory doing the traditional textiles. Hmm.
0: Yeah and you do mention that obscene consumerism quite often. How does that end up affecting um, in particular the color scheme that you use in the DPAC show? I think that's because nowadays
1: we live in a world where um, with the social media, advertisements, billboards, we'll posters where, you know, when you, when you see um, a beautiful poster or a beautiful package of food or fruits or um, just anything in the supermarket and stores and it just attracts you because of that, you know, just vibrant colors, mm. attract colors. And, and I think that, that the marketing for, for the industry that, that sort of um, sort of tells you to... How can I explain this? That tells you that everything looks beautiful, yeah. that everything's fine, you know. But then, um, at the, in a the matter of fact, um, the workers behind all these industries uh, being treated unkindly and being ignored by the society, so I think it's such a contrast between, you know, what's being polished in the um, in the advertisements, in the colors on the posters of of the um, of the products, and but when you see the action in my work, then you would see what. Sort
0: of behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. Because, so it, yeah, sorry.
1: Yeah. So you
0: you can you can say. Oh no, that's okay. I was just trying to let you. finish. <laughs> um, I was mm-hmm. gonna say just when you see the videos, it is quite obtusely a human body in front of you as well. Mm-hmm. As much as you are becoming the tool, um, it is a human body mm-hmm. and. How does placing your body, the artist's body, in front of the audience affect the perception of your practice and your perception of yourself as well?
1: So I think that it depends on... So when I go... I I exhibit my work um, quite a few in in different countries. So the audience's reactions are very, very different Mm. from each country. So, for example, um, my my gallery representative is in Japan, in Tokyo. Mm. So I exhibit my work quite a lot in Japan. And when the audience come, would come up to me, that would come up to me as if as a confession that they see that they truly see themselves as a machine, wow. and they want to be perfect all the time. You know, they. They, they're working um, they're working very very hard they have high standards but they feel that they don't appreciate or value themselves enough because they want to be consistently perfect all the time and and this sort of causes um, stress and depression sometimes mm. so um, so this is what I, I learned from the um, Japanese audience um, for the Thai audience, I get um, quite a lot of reactions about um, female body as an object um, and sometimes as a sexual object. So, um, by means as a sexual object, I mean that um, because the colors and everything reminds them so much of advertisements mm. and what they see on on commercials, um, TV or from um, social media so it sort of makes them feel that you know in, in commercials the commercials always tell them to, to, to be in this shape, to be in that shape um, for example I, there was this one work where I used um, the ruby fish as, as in my work as a, as, as a food in my work and um and i was acting as a ruby fish in that work and the ruby fish is actually um a gmo fish so it's not it's not natural Mm. and you know we put colors and we 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 make them a little bit larger make them taste a little bit better um by the process Um, and so just tiny details like this or or um, the other work where I, um, the carrying tool where I was carrying, you know, thirty kilograms of bananas. Mm. Um, the bananas shape um, are always bendy because because um, the ones that are not bendy enough has never put into supermarket shelf or stores. You know, they're yeah. automatically put into waste. So these tiny details like this has. Um, shape the way that we think about perceptions of beauty and perfection of perfection Um, perception of perfection sorry so it's like um, it makes you feel like you have to be in this shape you have to have this skin so that in the commercial if you look beautiful and you look in this shape and you have this face shape, for example, then people would look at you and respect you, and and it means that you're valued, you know, it, it's these advertisements um, give us that it's illusion that we have to be like that. So it means that all the time we are sort of objectifying ourselves
0: mm-hmm.
1: in order to look in this shape or in that shape or to look um, this is the perception of beauty now Um, we have to have this type of skin so that people would um, think that we're beautiful and and when we're beautiful then people would respect us Uh, so this kind of illusion that the advertisements nowadays are giving us and and we are being bombarded by that so um, in the work. That you know, I, I I transform myself into the object. So this is what this is what um, they are related to most. I think about the current materialistic world where physical appearance is so important, uh, and that is because of the industry. Yeah, the industry is selling products for us.
0: And that yeah, and I think very objectively this transformation into the object on a very surface level basis can appear quite ridiculous and I mean, do you see and work with the initially perceived comedy of the situation?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's like um, I have always thought about you know, when I when I mix something, you know, the content is quite violent, actually, mm. and and um, it, it's quite, it's quite, um, it's quite sad when you think about, when you actually think about it, but I wanted to use comedy or humor um, so that, you know, when you want to say something that's, that's, quite offensive mm. um, I want to make people laugh first you know it's yeah. like, <laughs> I want to make people laugh first and that's sort of the trick <laughs> it's like when you see oh this is such you know colorful colors vibrant colors it would be something fun and then when you go when you go in and actually look at it it's like oh no it's it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's sorry so that's that that's like sort of the trick that I that I want to say. <laughs>
0: so, how do you think a New Zealand audience is going to respond to your work? Because I mean, you're familiar with the Thai response, the Japanese response, but how are the Kiwis going to respond? Do you think?
1: Well, um, I have to see, but but uh, because the series started off with um, something that I that I that I felt when I was in New Zealand and then going back to Thailand, so I think that in New Zealand. Um, people are so so valued by their work and they're so proud of you know, um, when I talk to farmers they show me around and they're so proud of, of of what they do. And people are valued so much different from Thailand. And I think that um, I think that this comparison is in the work and and I and I think that it's about, you know, them seeing themselves and them seeing um, <laughs> the rest of the world. Um, <laughs> I think that New Zealand is is very different from actually the rest of the world, and and I think it's, it's it's just it's very soothing. It's very very inspiring and makes me think so much of myself as a human being and and what do I really want? Like what I am. What am I actually craving for um, nowadays? Why, why do I have to try this hard to, you know, just be on top? Mm-hmm. So it just makes me question happiness <laughs>
0: and and wow. the way
1: that I value myself.
0: Mm. Wow, I've never heard that reflection of the New Zealand culture before but that's really lovely to hear. <laughs> um, I know that you're in the airport and you're going to need to go very soon but could you just tell me yeah. a little bit more about the Bangkok Art Biennale that you're exhibiting in later this year? Yes, yeah,
1: so the Bangkok Art Biennale is in Bangkok and it's 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 um, so so it's, it's the venue around um, important places in Bangkok especially in the Jalpaya River. And um, the Biennale invites 75 artists all around the world wow. to exhibit their work. So it, this includes um, Marina Abramovich, um, Yay- Yayoi Gizuma, um, um Jean-Michel Basquiat, um, so all of the um, very, very famous, celebrated mm. artists um to exhibit that work um at the Bangkok Art Biennale. So it should be something that's new to um to Thailand because we have never had significant um exhibitions from you know such um legendary before. So um I'm really, really looking forward to it and I'm also looking forward to being a part of this as well.
0: Yeah, do you know what could you tell us anything about the exhibit that you're putting on? Um, I think that because
1: because was well, this year and early of the year, it has always been about um, me researching about um, textile industry. Okay. And last year it was about the food industry, and I think I want to go like further in depth about you know the textile industry in Thailand and and. Because I already had the inspirations from New Zealand, so I think that this is what I'm going to continue this year. So so I have like a, quite a strong series for the year.
0: Okay. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to talk to me today, Kawita. It's been lovely. Thank
1: you.